the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a delight and privilege to bring back to the show Frank Gaffney. He is the executive chairman and founder of the Center for Security Policy. He helped create the uh, Committee on the Present Danger China. I was uh, describing Frank uh, a little bit earlier uh, to the audience. I don't know anyone who wakes up and goes to bed thinking about how to preserve the safety and national security of American values and Americans' lives so much as I do Frank Gaffney, and equally, how to defeat the enemies. His center's most recent book is The CCP is at War with America. We can talk a little bit about that if you want. We've spoken with Brian Kennedy, his colleague, about that. But about what took place in Afghanistan yesterday is where I want to start it with this fine, fine man, Frank Gaffney. Frank, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix, sir. It's delightful to be back with you, Seth. It's been too long. It's been too long. I was remembering with the audience shortly after 9-11, you and me and a few others, Jim Woolsey, Charles Krauthammer, Bill Bennett, rolled up our sleeves. We went to some college campuses around the country to talk to the students about the war that was thrust upon us in the name of uh, uh, radical Islam, Islamism. And uh, I just I guess I have an interesting thing to ask you, Frank, before we get into the specifics of what went down uh, or at least what was reported in the news yesterday. If you ever in your wildest dreams would have thought it would be 20 years until we could take Ayman al-Zawahiri off the face of this earth. Did you ever dream back then it would take this long? And what does it say about us that it did? I haven't thought much about it. Um, I think the period since... 9-11 9-11 has been so riddled with um, failed policy decisions, um, military disappointments, and uh, overall a lack of clarity about the nature of the enemy um, that I, I'm not sure I would have made book yeah. on how long it would take Zawahiri to be removed from this earth. I'm glad he was uh, sent to all those virgins uh, yesterday or, or over the weekend, I guess now. But uh, I, honestly, Seth, this has been um, one of the more aggravating experiences of my life, and I think most Americans, and certainly our men and women in uniform, that uh, we haven't been able to do more about what I call the Sharia supremacist piece of the various threats we're facing long before now. Good for you for saying it that way. Talk to us about that, and then we'll get into what it means that we created a haven for the uh, Sharia supremacists, uh, as we have. Go ahead, Frank. Take a, take us on, on a tour of your thoughts on that. Well, of course, we allowed a haven to be created there in the years before 9-11, and shame on us, and most especially uh, Joe Biden, for believing that if you did it again, uh, you'd get a different result. Um, The the, the truth of the matter is that we have once again um, turned a blind eye 
to the determination of those who embrace, as I say, this uh, attitude of um, Islam is the way and everyone must submit to it. Uh, that is, at the core of uh, Sharia, the, the Islamic doctrine, and that compels its adherents to engage in jihad. So what what happened on Joe Biden's watch just about a year ago was a surrender to those enemies that uh, predictably was going to see Afghanistan once again be a hotbed of jihadism, and that uh, that would not just involve, by the way, the Taliban, who are bad enough, um, but al-Qaeda, and oh yes, by the way, the Islamic State, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, and other organizations that share this determination to impose worldwide uh, an Islamic caliphate and do it with violence uh, wherever possible. And uh, really, shame on Joe Biden and the military leaders who went along with his uh, surrender of Afghanistan, and for that matter, the politicians, both Republican and Democrat, that um, didn't do more to prevent this, um, again, predictable fiasco. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the ideology in in a moment, um, a little bit more, the Sharia supremacist ideology, supremacist ideology that, yes, uh, you're right, uh, uses uh, uh, violence uh, to 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 build its caliphate, but also ideas. And I want to talk to you about that and our inability to seemingly be able to confront it at any level of maturity. But first, That's Frank, yeah, well, go ahead. You want to address that now? Go right ahead. We can come back to the tactics in a moment. You want to say something about that? No, I'm, I'm sorry. You just cut out for a moment. There. Oh, yeah. You I was just going to say, say let's get to the ideology in a moment, but uh, right. the ideology of Sharia supremacism in a moment. First, what does it say to you, Frank, that we found the leader of Al Qaeda and really, in many respects, the founder of it more so than bin Laden? He really was bin Laden's teacher. Uh, but in any event, living practically openly and notoriously in the capital city, this isn't a man who was hiding in the hills. This was not a man living in an underground tunnel apparatus. Openly in the city, in the capital city of a country that our president a year ago this month said al-Qaeda was not existent in. What does it say to you about that? Well, the way I think about it um, is that, you know, we saw simultaneously a tactical victory that I think we can all celebrate. Yep. Uh, credit to our intelligence agencies and our, uh, you know, men and women in uniform. Yeah. And at the same time, a powerful reminder of the strategic defeat that we needlessly suffered again at the hands of our commander in chief. And. It, the idea that al-Qaeda would be operating more or less openly in the capital city of Afghanistan should not be a surprise to anybody. Uh, as I say, I think that if you look around, um, and of course looking around there at the moment is, is hazardous because uh, these uh, Islamists, if you will, uh, run the entire country and are pretty hard on anybody who isn't with their program. But if you were to look around, uh, I think you'd see 
um, their ilk, uh, whether it's, again, doing business under the banner of al-Qaeda or Jamaat Islamiya or any number of other uh, outfits, including Islamic State, uh, as well as the Taliban, uh, you you would recognize that um, they're back, yeah. as they say, yeah. and they're emboldened because not only do they now have the safe haven, not only have they defeated um, the world's only superpower, as we were told, but as you know, Seth, they now have access to some $83 billion worth of advanced American military hardware. Right. And you can bet that they are preparing to enable uh, their jihad with such ordnance and, uh, and equipment. And so we ain't seen nothing yet, I think, is the bottom line. Asleep at the switch is a phrase that, uh, unfortunately, you have to deploy quite often, Frank. I was reminding the audience, Ayman al-Zawahiri was actually traveling freely through the United States in the 1990s, raising money, uh, particularly in California, for his causes. How severe and worrisome is the threat of them being here now, especially with all the refugees that were created by Joe Biden? Yeah, well, that's the other piece of this that is just terrifying, honestly. Um, what we have seen in the wake of the surrender of Afghanistan was, of course, uh, Joe Biden's admission under the pretext that we were going to um, save Afghans who had allied with us and had tried to, you know, help us in the face of... Uh, you know, the Taliban, among others in their country when we were there. Uh, he's admitted into our own nation, uh, by some estimates, 70 to over 100,000 people, the vast majority of whom, says, to your question, are unaccompanied military-age men whose background we know nothing about. And uh, who have no particular love for the Taliban themselves. Yeah, and who have no particular love for the United States of America. Uh, Frank, let me do this. Let me take a quick commercial break. Do you have time for one more quick segment? I'd love to talk to you about your Absolutely. publication of the CCP is at war with America, if you have time. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. I, the, reminding people of your long biography in national defense and national security, even before you were in the Department of Defense working on... Uh, and cheerleading for and pushing for missile defense in the Reagan administration. Uh, this is this is another enemy that I'm not sure we're awake to or serious enough about. Frank Gaffney is, and he'll tell us about how the CCP is at war with America when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Frank Gaffney is our guest. He's the executive chairman and founder of the Center for Security Policy, among so many other things uh, dedicated to keeping America and Americans safe and our enemies on the run. His organization, Center for Security Policy, recently put out a book. The CCP is at war with America. Frank, uh, do we realize that the CCP is at war with us or is this another while England slept kind of situation? Frank, uh, do we still have you there with us? Do we have you there with us, Frank? 
I'm sorry. No, that's all right. We just had a little cell cut out. I was going to say the CCP is at war with America, the title of your book. Is America aware of this or is only the CCP aware of this? Um, I'm afraid that most of us are not. And that was one of the reasons why this team came together to to lay it out as starkly as we can. Uh, And the trouble is, it's, uh, it, you know, the old line about uh, the frog being boiled um, slowly. Uh, this has been going on for decades. And again, while some of the signs looked at in hindsight were perfectly obvious, uh, the reality is that um, the proverbial dots generally have not been connected. What's a little different, Seth, I think at this point, and it's really the focus of the book, is that virtually every American has now been harmed in one way or the other by this unrestricted war the Chinese Communist Party has waged against us. And again, I use the term Chinese Communist Party because we believe that's the enemy here, not the people of China uh, necessarily that want to be at war with us. It's, uh, It's the regime very much that does. But the fact is that what we now can say, I believe, with confidence, was a biological warfare attack by the Chinese Communist Party against America has harmed the vast majority of Americans. Uh, Our friend John McLaughlin did a poll for us last week in which um, he asked a thousand likely voters, uh, have you or your family? and or your family, been adversely, negatively affected by this uh, virus, uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic. And 70%, which frankly seems low to me. It seems low to me, too. They had been. Because I think it's just about all of us. Some may have benefited from it, I guess, on net, but uh, but we've all been impacted, that's for sure. sure. So the war has come home, and I think it's caused an awful lot of people who previously weren't paying attention to realize that there is a problem. And our job, as we see it at our Committee on the Present Danger China, which people can learn more about at presentdangerchina.org, as well as uh, ccpatwar.com, where they can get a free downloadable PDF of this book, is to help do that dot connecting, to help explain what is in fact happening here, and that it does constitute, as the Chinese themselves have said, unrestricted warfare, or people's war, against our country. Frank, they fight on the air, they fight on the ground, they fight on the beaches. Uh, Are you worried about stories? This is one that kind of raised my eyebrows, even if the specifics aren't, aren't, you don't know, you get the general idea. The buying of land that China's involved in here in the United States. I was reading a story the other day. They bought 400 acres, 20 minutes from Grand Forks Air Force Base. Do these kinds of things concern you, Frank? Very much so. Uh, in fact, we do a, a couple of programs uh, with the Committee on the Present Danger China, one of which was last uh, Tuesday, a week ago, um, in which we focused in on um, the um, what we call it the USS, USA Betrayed, mm-hmm. and who is selling land near a strategic Air Force base like Grand Forks uh, Minot um, to, uh, to people who are you know, hostile to our country. And it was a fascinating 
um, conversation with people who are very concerned about uh, the prospect that the combined effect of these kinds of sales and uh, sales of uh, food producers and the uh, the uh, uh, the hoarding of food by the Chinese Communist Party uh, are among the things that may well contribute to uh, not just food insecurity in this country, but, you know, possibly even famine at some point if we're not careful. So it's not huge amounts of land um, in the great scheme of things. We've got an awful lot of it in uh, agricultural production, but some of it is very strategically located, and none of it should be going to our mortal enemies, the oh, Chinese Communist Party and their front company. Frank, the name of that podcast uh, for people that want to check this out uh, again, if you don't mind, let's push um, that. Yeah, the the uh, we do two two uh, series of webinars uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, usually at one o'clock Eastern time. This one is called the USA Betrayed series. Okay. Uh, we just did one today, by the way, and the, the video will be up with this very shortly about the Confucius Institute, the oh, Trojan yeah. horses on Americans' campuses. But this one uh, last week was about food and uh, the the question of whether you know Americans are contributing to uh, prospective real insecurity, food insecurity for the United States. We also do a series on Thursdays uh, that I would also commend to your listeners. They can register for them or just view them at presentdangerchina.org about this unrestricted warfare phenomenon and the various uh, vectors that the Chinese are using against us. We're going to talk uh, Thursday of this week about the Chinese penetration of and uh, potential you know, destruction of our electric grid. Yeah. yeah. And you and I have been on this subject on, for EMP many, many and years, all that. Of course, you betcha. You yeah. betcha. And uh, this is a real problem we need to attend to, too. Well, I'm going to have you on more often, uh, Frank, because people are just beginning to pay attention to what you've been talking about for years. Part of the reason we had a long twilight struggle against Soviet communism is people couldn't appreciate uh, what the nature of the enemy was or were unwilling to. In the information age, there's no excuse. And with voices and leadership like yours, Frank, uh, it's the only thing that's going to keep us out of the soup. So Godspeed to you. God bless you. And uh, stay tuned because I'm going to be bothering you a lot in the near in the well, near future. It'll be my pleasure. Thank you, Seth. Frank, uh, Frank you Gaffney, God, God bless, bless you and good to talk to you again, folks. Uh, one stop shop to uh, see what he's up to. Go to his website, Center for Security Policy. Org. The man is firing on a lot of pins because he needs to be firing on a lot of pins, and he needs to be firing a lot on a lot of pins because our national security is at stake in a way it never has been before, because we have not only the ignorance of the problem, but we have active participants in siding with the enemy who is causing the problem, causing the threat, causing, as Frank said already, the destruction. You don't have to wait for an EMP attack to see what the Chinese are capable of. Look at what they do to their own people in the Shenzhen province. Look at what they did to the world with COVID. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to bring back to the show Dr. Zudi Jasser, author of A Battle for the Soul of Islam, an American Muslim Patriot's Fight to Save His Faith. He is the president and founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Those who care about human rights 
and the survival of the West have no better friend than Dr. Jasser. Zudi, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. So much to talk about, sir. Oh, it's great to be back with you, sir. Thank you. You betcha. Well, uh, we built a roach motel you tweeted out yesterday, and then we had to kill the roach uh, that was uh, sitting right there uh, in the center city of it. You want to tell us what uh, your first thoughts were after the news broke that uh, Ayman Zabahiri was uh, taken off the face of the earth, sir? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, again, a uh, highlight of how feckless the media is. Uh, They don't seem to ask the right questions. It's like, here's a guy... and. By the way, I, I know that, uh, I, I hope and pray that we did get Zawahiri, but I think this is like the sixth time we've killed him, right? right? I mean, that's right. <laughs> we, yeah. we supposedly got him in Baghdad, and I, you know, every time they're, they're like, like oh, we got him. Yeah. yeah. And, and then a video comes out uh, six months later from, from him, and he's no longer on dialysis and all the other things that they said he was. But uh, bottom line is, is this guy's a bigger get than even bin Laden. Right. Uh, there's no doubt that bin Laden, when he had his millions, left Saudi Arabia and found Zawahiri, who had an underground network of uh, multiple franchises of al-Qaeda that uh, bin Laden basically uh, uh, provided the uh, charisma and the money, while Zawahiri basically had the uh, revolutionary uh, creds and was the son of the grand imam of al-Azhar University in uh, in Cairo. So this guy had the ideological, the theological uh, wherewithal for militant Islamism, had written a manifesto writer on 9-11 and helped plan not only that attack, but the USS Cole bombing and multiple attacks from Madrid to uh, to London in 2005, uh, on and on. So uh, this, is a, this is a major get, but there's nothing more symbolic than the fact that we had no idea where he was right. while we were there, and then we leave and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are clearly operating openly in, in, in Kabul, Thinking that we're not only gone, but we're we're useless as a country, and uh, the Al Qaeda guys basically ran the roost there, and uh, he let his guard down, and obviously we knocked him off, which was a good a good hit, but it should make Americans worry about the fact that what else is now thriving in Kabul and in that entire area where we spent 20 years and we couldn't even leave the place appropriately, let alone uh, now we're talking about over the horizon counterterrorism, which is you know, uh, a marginal at best, uh, but, uh, you know, how safe are we? Yeah, I mean, even even the New York Times this morning had this pregnant sentence. It's buried in about the 30th paragraph, but it does have this sentence. In 2021, nearly, which, by the way, exactly a month ago, uh, a year ago this month, in 2021, nearly 20 years after the United States invaded Afghanistan to drive al-Qaeda out, the Taliban retook control of the country and gave its ally al-Qaeda safe haven al-Zawahiri duly returned who else duly returned but that's exactly what we did we created the government we gave them five leaders of it who used to be in Guantanamo Bay uh we gave them the arms we gave them the safe haven and surprise surprise we didn't we never we never defeated radical Islam and we never really defeated al-Qaeda did we nope and there's so many fronts in this battle first the militant one as far as al-Qaeda you know, for anyone who thinks, listen, I, I also came around to believe that we just can't, you know, nation building is not what our sons and daughters and our, our uh, treasury is made for. Uh, um, it was a lost cause. But having certain force uh, presence, whether it's through special forces or whatever it might be, Syria to Somalia to Afghanistan is extremely necessary. So the complete withdrawal 
was was an illusion that somehow withdrawal of troops completely would somehow make us safer. In fact, now we're finding that the the withdrawal of American influence, uh, whether it's simply verbally, uh, you know, and and by the way, the the quotation from Biden's uh, press conference yesterday, I, I had it in front of me, and now I. It's not in front of you. But basically, he said he will find wherever threats there are right. and get rid of them. Right. I mean, that sounded more hawkish than anything I've ever heard, and that's not really what he did. This is not just a threat. This was uh, the the number one most wanted terrorist on, on the FBI wanted list. So just sort of bizarre how useless the verbiage is. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and how these governments think under his presidency – They can push us around. I mean, we're hitting a break real quick. When we come back, I'd like you to talk and address yourself to that. You tweeted yesterday, CCP belligerents around Taiwan, Russian aggression in Ukraine, Al-Qaeda and Taliban thriving in Kabul, advancing nuclear Iran. Welcome to a post-American world where the illusion of withdrawal replaced by feckless weakness actually foments the brink of war on every front. I'll have Dr. Zudi Jasser address himself to that point when we come right back. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. Boost your energy, your health, and immunity with 100% pure, potent plant power. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. I take it every day. You can, too. Go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Delight to have Dr. Zudi Jasser with us. He is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, AIF Democracy. One of the best books of the last 20 years is his, A Battle for the Soul of Islam, an American Muslim Patriot's Fight to Save His Faith. Zudi, uh, yesterday on Twitter, you did a little bit of a tour of the way the world looks right now. CCP belligerents in Taiwan, Russia, aggression in Ukraine, Al-Qaeda, Taliban thriving in Kabul, advancing nuclear Iran. Welcome to a post-American world. Say it isn't so, Zudi, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, it's it's time, hopefully, as the the next election cycle goes through, uh, we begin to look at exactly, you know, one of the things we did learn in the last 20 years of uh, some of our failures in Afghanistan from both sides of the aisle is that we need a better deterrence policy so that we don't have to send our troops abroad. And, And what does deterrence look like? Yeah, and, you know, there's this concept as Americans that we think, well, if we leave other nations alone, just like if you leave people alone, then they won't bother us and they'll leave us alone. Well, that's not exactly true. There's sort of a triangulation in the world where, where you have NATO on one corner, you have China, Russia, Iran on another corner, and then the Islamic radicals on the third corner, which is jihadism and sort of this neo-caliphate. Well, under Biden, in just a year, those other two corners, China, Russia, and then the Islamic nations, uh, uh, even including NATO, Turkey, uh, <laughs> has become uh, sort of working with our enemies. And um, we, we are becoming weaker and weaker. And it's, this is what happens in a post-American world. So deterrence, uh, again, I'm not in favor of invasions and other things, which is nonsense. But if you're going to deter war, there has to be a sense that people are afraid of us, that people are afraid to... Uh, invade their neighbors, to uh, uh, act against uh, the great Satan, as the Khomeinis call it. And uh, they, they're moving closer and closer to a nuclear weapon. Uh, the negotiations and appeasement uh, is not working. Uh, Al-Qaeda is, uh, uh, the jihadi videos are, are spreading quicker than they ever have because America has the, the, 
the greatest asset to jihadism across the planet was how uselessly and weakly we left Afghanistan. It could have been presented, as you and I talked months ago, a year ago, much differently in a way that let the Afghani people own it, but instead we we evacuated so quickly we owned the disaster that became a 20-year failure that now they're using to recruit more jihadists than ever. So uh, deterrence is no longer present. It's sort of American unexceptionalism that's become sort of the Biden mantra. If there is a Biden doctrine, it's an unexceptional America, not uh, one that people are afraid of and deterred by. Exactly right, Zudi. And all of that as a kinetic level. Talk to us a little bit about the ideological war. You often uh, mention the red-green or the green-red access. I was access. I was talking about that with the audience yesterday. Say a word or two about the ideological battle because it's the West, which is in the bit of a nullity, fighting a very strong ideological doctrine, and it seems very hard to fight something with nothing, sir. Yeah, and this is, you know, augmenting exponentially, which is the cooperation between the the red, which is whether it's, uh, you know, communist China, uh, the the uh, vestiges of communism in the, what was the Soviet Union, now Russia, uh, or uh, the communists and the far-left progressivists across the planet, uh, have been working closely with the Islamists. We saw that in the UN. You see it in our own Congress with Ilhan Omar working closely with uh, you know, AOC, and uh, uh, proudly, uh, she she recently proudly got arrested uh, protesting the Supreme Court uh, abortion issue. When actually, as an Islamist, it's a, a sort of a, a bizarre stance for her to have. It shows you that they'll sacrifice any of their principles in order to work with that axis, because their main goal is anti-Americanism, yeah. it's anti-freedom, anti-free markets, as socialists and as uh, you know, collectivists. So you saw that with the destruction of our monuments by the Black Lives Matter movement and others. Uh, you see it now with uh, the Taliban destroying uh, what was any history in Afghanistan and and uh, across the Islamists. The jihadists also believe in destroying any vestiges of history so that they can control what the future is, because if you forget history, then you control the narrative into the future. Uh, we're talking to Zudi Jasser. Zudi, I often talk about this, too. It's the world I kind of live in or try to uh, think deeply about. You've done yeoman's work on it. And is it is this underlying thing. Why are these far lefties with weirdly progressive viewpoints that would never be acceptable in any of the countries they support? I mean, think about how long Ilan Omar could or even AOC or Rashida Tlaib could exist in, um, in in just giving a lecture on their domestic policies in in so much of the Middle East places uh, they support. Uh, maybe even Berzeit University. How long would they last? Zero zero minutes is the answer, because there is this underlying neo-socialist Marxist uh, 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 baseline to the Islamist dream palace, isn't there? Yeah, and this is why. The jihad has a militant component, which are the true believers right. that want to die for their cause, that are like the Zawaharis, that are the Salafi jihadists, where they come from the, the clerical uh, fabric of Al-Azhar and Saudi Arabia's Wahhabis, etc. So those are true believers. The Muslim Brotherhood civilizational jihadists, like uh, uh, you know the Islamists of the Council on American Islamic Relations, Ilhan Omar, they use religion as a tool for political power. So they're not as as wedded to some of the principles. They're simply pragmatic supremacists who want to 
They animate their relationships based on their hate for America, their hate for the West. That's how they determine who their friends are. It's not really they care much about Islam or they care much about, you know, uh, uh, um, progressivism. They just want to hate America. So they find the Democratic Party as a very easy vessel to do that and join in the, the co-anti-Americanism that exists in the far left in America and, and also then use that through relationships with the U.N. and across the world. It's such a different Democratic Party than what we grew up with. Uh, the Democratic Party we grew up with had no truck for socialism, had no truck for what, you know, these power movements, these ideological Marxist power movements have come to represent, Zudi. But it is an odd thing when a major American political party continues to endow and support them. I mean, it's not as if Nancy Pelosi didn't have choices in the primaries. Uh, Ilan Omar, people like her, Rashida Tlaib, they faced primary challengers in the Democratic Party. This Democratic Party, this Speaker of the House, she chose to endow and endorse the socialists who are part and parcel of the red-green axis. God save us, Udi. I know, and, the, and it's amazing that the Trojan horse of the so-called moderation of Biden has actually, I mean, during the Obama administration, I never thought we could have a more socialist, more progressivist president and administration. And at this point, the, the, not only is the current president cognitively checked out, but at the end of the day, the folks that he has empowered beneath him have, have been far actually more radical than even what we saw, uh, uh, before the Trump administration during Obama. It's, it's just, it's, I mean, you look at how empowered Rashida Tlaib is uh, with her anti-Semitism and, and a lot of this, none of it is going, res- uh, there's any response to it. I mean, even during Obama, the Democratic Party during its convention was apologizing for some of the anti-Semites they were presenting yeah, and others. Right. Now it's almost become standard fare. It's open season. Yeah, nature, Spinoza said, abhors a vacuum. Terrorists love and thrive in them. And so do leftist operatives and uh, right the vacuum and the vacuity that sits at 1600 pennsylvania avenue has allowed for the takeover and dominance of the far left in that party in in our country as i say god save us you will uh, help in that saving your work is uh, continually appreciated never more so than now zudi and i hope you know never by anyone more so than me in this audience. Zudi Jasser from the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. There's still time for summer reading, folks. If you've never read his book, you'll thank me for recommending it. A Battle for the Soul of Islam, an American Muslim Patriot's Fight to Save His Faith. Dr. Jasser, Godspeed and God bless, sir. You too. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. I am Seth Liebson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my good friends at Y-Refi. If you are looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, do check them out. What they're offering is a no-load fixed interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all on a secure, collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's run by really good people. They are investors who do very well by doing good for others, and you can be part of that too. If it's of interest to you, check them out at investyrefi.com. It's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or you can call them at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. I guess... Um, 
We'll close out the hour. Hugh Hallman will be joining us uh, shortly. We'll close out the hour uh, with this consideration in mind. Uh, In 1975, when we abandoned uh, Saigon the way much like we abandoned Afghanistan a year ago this month, uh, it was the beginning of an endear for our allies and their reliance and their ability to rely on the United States of America, as I said. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Marxist organizations became Marxist governments as a result because there was no American superpower to thwart the super ideology of Marxism. And we saw country after country fail and fall to the communist regimes, the communist organizations. It was a joke in Washington, lose a country, gain a restaurant, because you saw the proliferation of all these refugees and these immiserated countries coming to America to try and build their restaurants from South Vietnam to Laos to Cambodia to Angola to Mozambique to Ethiopia to South Yemen, Grenada, Nicaragua, Afghanistan, Suriname, El Salvador and elsewhere. It was one long, miserable march to despotism. I fear that we may be on the precipice of that long march again. We ended one twilight struggle only through the lack of leadership to begin and commence another. Let's hope we're up to it. Hugh Hallman will no doubt have some thoughts on it as well when we come right back. We will be then right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.